Welcome to the Time Machine Talk Show. Here's your host, Miss Ziegler. Hey, 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 students. Welcome to the Time Machine Talk Show. This week we are going to talk about the rise of Islam, and we are in the Ways of the World book, starting on page 411. So I'll give you a minute to get there. We are looking at your Rise of Islam reading questions. You can also pull those up. One of the words that you need to know or uh, geographic terms that the AP World History Curriculum uses is Dar al-Islam, and I'll spell it for you. It's D-A-R-A-L-I-S-L-A-M. Make sure and put that down in your notes. That just means that it's the geographic extent of the Islamic influence at its height. And that area is from West Africa and Spain to Southeast Asia. So when the AP curriculum talks about Dar al-Islam, that's what they mean. Okay, with that, we are going to get started. Your first question is, in what ways did the early history of Islam reflect its Arabian origins? So we're going to start on page 412, where it says the birth of new religion. And it says, most of the major religious or cultural traditions of the second wave era had emerged from the core of established civilizations. Confucianism and Taoism from China, Hinduism and Buddhism from India, Greek philosophy from the Mediterranean world, and Zoroastrianism from Persia. Christianity and Islam, by contrast, emerged more from the margins of Mediterranean and Middle Eastern civilizations. Christianity, of course, appeared among a small Middle Eastern people, the Jews, in a remote province of the Roman Empire, while Islam took hold in the cities and deserts of the Arabian Peninsula. The homeland of Islam is the next section. Here we go. The central region of the Arabian Peninsula had long been inhabited by nomadic Arabs, known as Bedouins, who herded their sheep and camels in seasonal migrations. I would put that word down because you'll see it again. So basically, these are people that um, live independently in tribes and they migrate. And it's going to go on to talk about them here. So it says, These peoples lived in fiercely independent clans and tribes, which often engaged in bitter blood feuds with one another. They recognized a variety of gods, ancestors, and nature spirits, valued personal bravery, group loyalty, and hospitality and greatly treasured their highly expensive oral poetry. But there was more to Arabia than camel-herding nomads. In scattered oases, the highlands of Yemen, and interior mountain communities, sedentary village-based agriculture was practiced. And in the northern and southern regions of Arabia, small kingdoms had flourished in earlier times. Arabia also set astride increasingly important trade routes that connected the Indian Ocean world with that of the Mediterranean Sea, a location that gave rise to cosmopolitan commercial cities whose values and practices were often in conflict with those of traditional Arab tribes. One of those cities, Mecca, came to occupy a distinctive role in Arabia. Though somewhat off the major long-distance trade routes, Mecca was the site of Kaaba, the most prominent religious shrine in Arabia, which housed representations of some 360 deities and was destination for many pilgrims. Mecca's dominant tribe, the Quraysh, 
had come to control access to Kaaba and grew wealthy by taxing the local trade that accompanied the annual pilgrimage season. By the 6th century, Mecca was home to people from various tribes and clans, as well as an assortment of individual outlaws, exiles, refugees, and foreign merchants. But much of its growing wealth was concentrated in the hands of a few ruling Quraysh families. Furthermore, Arabia was located on the periphery of two established and rival civilizations of that time, the Byzantine Empire, heir to the Roman world, and the Sassanid Empire, heir to the imperial traditions of Persia. This location, coupled with long-distance trade, ensured some familiarity with the larger world, particularly in the cities and settled farming regions of the peninsula. Many Jews and Christians, as well as some Zoroastrians, lived among the Arabs, and their monotheistic ideas became widely known. By the time of Muhammad, most of the settled Arabs had acknowledged the preeminent position of Allah, the supreme god of the Arab pantheon. Although they usually found the lesser gods, including the three daughters of Allah, far more accessible. Moreover, they increasingly identified Allah with Yahweh, the Jewish high god, and regarded themselves too as children of Abraham. A few Arabs were beginning to explore the possibility that Allah or Yahweh was the only god, and that the many others residing in the Kaaba and in shrines across the peninsulas were nothing more than helpless and harmless idols. To an outside observer, around 600, it might well have seemed that Arabs were moving toward Judaism religiously or that Christianity, the most rapidly growing religion in Western Asia, would encompass Arabia as well. Any such expectations, however, were thoroughly confounded by the dramatic events of the 17th century. Okay, so your question asks about the early history of Islam and how it reflects Arab origins. I would definitely talk about the Bedouins in that, unless you've already written that down. You can talk about the city of Mecca and the Kaaba that is there and what that was. You could also talk about the strong ties to the tribal clans because that has a lot to do with early Islam. You can talk about its ties to Abraham. That's important because Islam, Christianity, and Judaism all share that connection with Abraham. So those are the things that I would write down in your notes to answer that question. Your next question is, what did the Quran expect from those who followed its teachings? So we're going to go on and it says, The catalyst of those events and for the birth of this new religion was a single individual, Muhammad Ibn Abdullah, who was born in Mecca to a Quraysh family. As a young boy, Muhammad lost his parents, came under the care of an uncle, and worked as a shepherd to pay his keep. Later, he became a trader and traveled as far north as Syria. At the age of 25, he married a wealthy widow, Kadja, herself a prosperous merchant with whom he fathered six children. A highly reflective man, deeply troubled by the religious corruption and social inequalities of Mecca, he often undertook periods of withdrawal and meditation in the arid mountains outside the city. There, like the Buddha and Jesus, Muhammad had a powerful, overwhelming religious experience that left him convinced, albeit reluctantly, that he was Allah's messenger to the Arabs, commissioned to bring to them a scripture in his own language. And there's some visual sources for you that you can check out. According to Muslim tradition, the revelations began in 610 and continued periodically over the next 22 years. Those revelations recorded in the Quran became the sacred scriptures of Islam. 
which to this day most Muslims regard as the very words of God and the core of their faith. Intended to be recited rather than simply read for information, the Quran, Muslims claim, when heard in its original Arabic, conveys nothing less than the very presence of the divine. Its unmatched poetry, beauty, miraculous to Muslims, convinced many that it was indeed a revelation from God. One of the earliest converts testified to its power. When I heard the Quran, my heart was softened, and I wept, and Islam entered into me. In its Arabian setting, the Quran's message delivered through Muhammad was revolutionary. Religiously, it was radically monotheistic, presenting Allah as the only God, the all-powerful creator, good, just, and merciful. Allah was the Lord sustainer of the worlds, the compassionate, the caring, master of the day of reckoning, and known to human beings as the farthest horizon and within their own selves. Here was an exalted conception of deity that drew heavily on traditions of Judaism, or I'm sorry, Jewish and Christian monotheism. As the messenger of God, Muhammad presented himself in the line of earlier prophets, Abraham, Moses, Jesus, and many others. He was the last, the seal of the prophets, bearing God's final revelation to humankind. It was not so much a call to a new faith as an invitation to return to the old and pure religion of Abraham from which Jews, Christians, and Arabs alike had deviated. Jews had wrongly convinced of themselves as a uniquely chosen people. Christians had made their prophet into a god, and Arabs had become widely polytheistic. I will put that down in your notes because that's kind of interesting. We have this connection of Islam with Judaism and Christianity, and here is what he's saying is wrong with what Jews, Christians, and other Arabs believe. So I make that some bullet points in your notes. To all of this, the message of the Quran was a corrective. So the, the Quran was supposed to correct these problems. Submission to Allah, Muslim means one who submits, was the primary obligation of believers and the means of achieving a God-conscious life in this world and a place in the paradise after death. According to the Quran, however, submission was not merely an individual or spiritual act, for it involved the creation of a whole new society. Over and again, the Quran denounced the prevailing social practices of an increasingly prosperous Mecca, the hoarding of wealth, the exploitation of the poor, the charging of high rates of interest on loans, corrupt business deals, the abuse of women, and the neglect of widows and orphans. Like the Jewish prophets of the Old Testament, the Quran demanded social justice and laid out a prescription for its implementation. It sought a return to the older values of Arab traditional or tribal life, solitary equality, concern for the poor, which had been undermined particularly in Mecca by the growing wealth and commercialism. The message of the Quran challenged not only the ancient polytheism of Arab religion and the social injustices of Mecca, but also the entire tribal and clan structure of Arab society, which was so prone to war, feuding, and violence. The just and moral society of Islam was Amma, the community of all believers replacing tribal, ethnic, or racial identities. Such a society would be a witness over the nations, for according to the Quran, you are the best community evolved for mankind in joining what is right and forbidding what is wrong. In this community, women too joining what is right and forbidding what is wrong. In this community, women too had an honored and spiritually equal place. 
The believers, men and women, are protectors of one another, declared the Quran. The Ummah, then, was to be a new and just community, bound by a common belief rather than by territory, language, or tribe. The core message of the Quran, the remembrance of God, was effectively summarized as a part of five requirements for believers, known as the pillars of Islam. So here's the answer to your question number two. The first pillar expressed the heart of the Islamic message. There is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is the messenger of God. The second pillar was ritual prayer, performed five times a day. Accompanied practices, including cleansing, bowing, kneeling, and prostration, expressed believers' submission to Allah and provided a frequent reminder amid the busyness of daily life that they were living in the presence of God. The third pillar, almsgiving, that means giving money to the poor, reflected the Quran's repeated demands for social justice by requiring believers to give generously to support the poor and needy for the community. The fourth pillar established a month of fasting during Ramadan, which meant abstaining from food, drink, and sexual relations from the first light of dawn to sundown. It provided an occasion for self-purification and a reminder of the needs of the hungry. The fifth pillar encouraged a pilgrimage to Mecca known as the Hajj, during which believers from all over the Islamic world assembled once a year and put on identical, simple white clothing as they reenacted key events in Islamic history. For at least the few days of the Hajj, the many worlds of Islam must surely have seemed a single realm. So put those down in bullet points for question number two. A further requirement for believers, sometimes called the sixth pillar, was struggle, or jihad in Arabic. Its more general meaning, which Muhammad referred to as the greater jihad, was an interior personal effort of each believer against greed and selfishness, a spiritual striving toward living a God-conscious life. In its lesser form, the jihad of the sword, the Koran authorized armed struggle against the forces of unbelief and evil as a means of establishing Muslim rule and of defending the Ummah from the threats of infidel aggressors. The understanding and use of the jihad concept has varied widely over the many centuries of Islamic history and remains a matter of much controversy among Muslims in the 21st century. Question number three asks, how was Arabia transformed by the rise of Islam? And our next section talks about that. It says, as the revelations granted to Muhammad became known in Mecca, they attracted a small following of some close relatives, a few prominent Meccan leaders, and an assortment of lower-class dependents, freed slaves, and members of poorer clans. Those teachings also soon attracted the shiferous opposition of Mecca's elite families, particularly those of Muhammad's own tribe, the Krish. Muhammad's claim to be a messenger of Allah, his unyielding monotheism, his call for social reform, his condemnation of Mecca's business practices, and his apparent disloyalty to his own tribe enraged the wealthy and ruling families of Mecca. So great had his opposition become that in 622, Muhammad and his small band of followers immigrated to the more welcoming town of Yathrib, soon to be called Medina, the city of the prophet. This agricultural settlement of mixed Arab and Jewish population had invited Muhammad to serve as an arbitrator of their intractable conflicts. That means like uh, someone, like a go-between to help with their conflicts and to help them get along. The emigration to Yathrib, known in Arabic as 
Hijra, the journey, was a monumentous turning point in the early history of Islam and thereafter marked the beginning of a new Islamic calendar. The new community, or Ummah, that took shape in Medina was a kind of super tribe, but very different from the traditional tribes of Arab society. Membership was a matter of belief rather than birth, allowing the community to expand rapidly. Furthermore, all authority, both political and religious, was concentrated in the hands of Muhammad, who proceeded to introduce radical changes. Usuri was outlawed, tax-free marketplaces were established, and a mandatory payment to support the poor was imposed. In Medina, Muhammad not only began to create a new society, but also declared his movement's independence from its earlier affiliation with Judaism. In the early years, he had anticipated a warm response from Jews and Christians, based on common monotheism and prophetic tradition, and had directed his followers to pray facing Jerusalem. But when some Jewish groups allied with his enemies, Muhammad acted harshly to suppress them, exiling some and enslaving or killing others. This was not, however, a general suppression of Jews, since others among them remained loyal to Muhammad's new state. But the Prophet now redirected his followers' prayers toward Mecca, essentially declaring Islam an Arab religion, though one with a universal message. From its base in Medina, the Islamic community rapidly extended its reach throughout Arabia. Early military successes against Muhammad's Meccan opponents convinced other Arab tribes that the Muslims had their god uh, were on the rise and they sought to negotiate alliances with the new power. Growing numbers converted, the religious appeal of the new faith, its promise of material gain, the end of incessant warfare among feuding tribes, periodic military actions skillfully led by Muhammad, and the Prophet's willingness to enter into marriage alliances with leading tribes. All this contri contributed to the consolidation of Islamic control throughout Arabia. In 630, Muhammad triumphantly and peacefully entered Mecca itself, purging the Kaaba of its idols and declaring it a shrine to the one god Allah. By the time Muhammad died in 632, most of Arabia had come under the control of the new Islamic state, and many had embraced the new faith. Thus, the birth of Islam differed sharply from that of Christianity. Alright, so let's look at your question, how was Arabia transformed by the rise of Islam, before we go on. And you could basically talk about like how this new religion made... Um, them kind of like unify so they were warring tribes in Arabia before this religion and now this emerging peace will come about of this uh, consolidation of an Arabic state. You could also say that this society was kind of a model for Islamic communities everywhere. The other word that we saw in there was usury and the definition for that is lending money at a high interest rate so think about like why would many poor people support and wealthy people reject this new rule, right? Like obviously poor people are going to support that rule because they don't want to be lended money at a high interest rate, whereas wealthy people want to make the money off of lending. So that's an interesting rule that Muhammad put into place. Okay, so let's go on and look at the next paragraph. It says, Thus the birth of Islam differed sharply from that of Christianity. Jesus' teaching about giving to Caesar what is Caesar and God to what is God's reflected the minority and subordinate status of the Jews within the Roman Empire. 
Early Christians found themselves periodically persecuted by Roman authorities, far more than three centuries requiring them to work out some means of dealing with an often hostile state. The answer lay in the development of a separate church hierarchy and the concept of two existing authorities, one religious and one political, an arrangement that persisted even after the state became Christian. The young Islamic community, by contrast, found itself constituted as a state and soon a huge empire at the very beginning of its history. Muhammad was not only a religious figure, but also, unlike Jesus or the Buddha, a political and military leader able to implement his vision of an ideal Islamic society. Nor did Islam give rise to a separate religious organization, although tension between religious and political goals frequently generated conflict. No professional clergy mediating between God and humankind emerged within Islam. Teachers, religious scholars, prayer leaders, and judges within an Islamic legal system did not have the religious role that priests held within Christianity. No distinction between religious law and civil law, so important in the Christian world, existed in the realm of Islam. One law, known as the Sharia, regulated every aspect of life. The Sharia, literally a path to water, which is the source of life, evolved over the several centuries following the birth of this new religion and found expression in a number of separate schools of Islamic legal practice. In little more than 20 years, a profound transformation had occurred in the Arabian Peninsula. What would subsequently become a new religion had been born, though it was one with roots in earlier Jewish, Christian, and Zoroastrian traditions. A new and vigorous state had emerged bringing peace to the warring tribes of Arabia. So what I want you to do is look back over those last two paragraphs comparing Islam with Christianity and make some bullet points of the differences because one of your essays that we are learning are similarities and differences, right? So do a little bit of practice there with those two paragraphs and see if you can find the differences. There may be some similarities in there as well, but just bullet point those in those notes so that you have them for later. And that's where we're going to wrap up this edition of the Time Machine Talk Show. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, if you have any questions, feel free to contact me.